0: The Mitchell's Front Page podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11.
1: Now on Mitchell's Front Page, the Monday Sports Panel. In the studio we have Peter. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you, Mitchell. And uh, on the line, Bucket, how are you? I'm very, very good indeed. And you? Yeah, good. bit of sunshine coming through. Summer is on the way and heading up into the 30s on the next couple of days. So it's here. I'm going to leave
2: Victoria and go to Broome
1: or somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, today we're talking about the uh, Demons as we continue our run through all of the football clubs and offering our analysis. So talk to us about the Demons and uh, what is their history?
2: Yes, when you look at the Melbourne Football Club, you know, they got got away in 1858, way before a lot of other clubs, and basically you know, they joined the AFL in 1897. Their first premiership was in 1900. You know, that particular year they beat Fitzroy. Do you remember Fitzroy playing in the competition?
0: <laughs> I, I certainly do Bucket.
2: <laughs> yeah, Fitzroy, uh, uh, beat Fitzroy and then, like, in the grand final. Yeah, we, uh, they've had a couple of wonderful coaches over the years, uh, Norm Smith. Yeah, he was there for you know, a few years and, by, uh, and won six premierships. He was going for four in a row against Collingwood in 1958, and guess what? Collingwood rolled them over, but you know, it was a wonderful effort by the, uh, Norm Smith and, and basically and, and, and another bloke who, who played very, very, uh, who coached very well was a bloke called Frank Hughes who, who won four premierships. We, we say, so, say so what a wonderful effort, you know, like our lo- local coaches got, but boy, gee, those two coaches have been outstanding. Like Paul Roos, you know, like, like he coached from 2014 to 2016, he had a winning percentage of of 32, and basically, and with uh, Simon Goodwin coming into the competition as the coach of, of the Melbourne, thing, Melbourne Football Clubs, and, and things changed. Now, the season nineteen twenty-one, the idea that brought the brought, uh, results, 18 wins and 4 losses, and, and a percentage of 130, they were absolutely outstanding. They used only 34 players, only it brought in 2 new players. And amongst the very best players were, you know, was Max, uh, was, uh, was, was their captain, uh, uh, gone by, he turned out to be a wonderful leader. And I, I think the, the future of the Melbourne Football Club is, looks very, very healthy
0: for, for me, Peter. Yeah, I agree, Bucket. And it was interesting, too, when we talk about only using 34 players and that, you know, that's, that's handy. And he had one player over 30 years of age, and that was Michael Hibbert, so, uh, uh, a very, uh, and and that's a, that's a big positive for the club going forward. But as you say, some of the stars, I think Christian Petrarca took it, he's going to a new level, winning the Norm Smith as well and um, finishing high in the Brownlow. He averaged 29.2 disposals for the year, 4.1 tackles, um, average for the year as well. Uh, but they had some good players, a couple of good breakout players. Luke Jackson was another one. Um, I like the way. He
2: Peter, can I ask you about uh, uh, Paul Ruse? Yeah, what sort of a role did he play in setting this Melbourne side up here? Because yeah, like he's he's, yeah uh, getting winning results, he really struggled at Geelong, but had played a huge part in setting this Melbourne side up there to be a powerful
0: side. Look, no doubt whatsoever, and um, I think um, yeah, there was a few uh, doubters, and and I I think uh, coming into this year, I I think Simon Goodwin was under the uh, under the pump, but the two interesting coaching appointments one was at a uh going into the midfield coaching role and Mark Williams was the one I think was a uh, you know not forgotten but uh, he was just a quiet achieving background and I just saw some of that and you would have too, um, um, bucket and, and Mitchell in in um, in the skill levels um, really uh, going to another level and I, through Mark Williams because he's, he's a uh, uh, a real uh stickler for the for the kicking and, and you saw players like charlie spargo was a great example yeah. three or four seasons ago i think charlie spargo could really kick over jammed him whenever he got the ball it was always oh, what's going to happen here but he was hitting targets all year they had and i think their back line was like when they had um yeah more and the, Leaver. yeah Leaver may and, and those bikes yeah down back and and had that run and carry players in like harm salem ed langdon um the only the only thing that was surprising was their was their losses they, to the crows, the pies, and they drove to with Hawthorne, but yeah. and they were the bottom sides. But I just think they were they were beaten in um, in just one area there, and that was their turnover and uh, in those games. But look, it's hard to see um, see them really dropping away, isn't it? I mean, they, oh, yeah. they picked up uh, a really uh, Jacob Van Ruin. Uh, he's uh, he can be a key forward, a key defender, but they picked up in the draft. Blake Howes is a, a tall midfielder. You've got uh, Taj Wawoden, son of Shane Wawoden. So they really haven't lost anyone either. I mean, Neville Jetter and Nathan Jones and um, I think Aaron Vanderberg, maybe three of the players that were delisted. But um, really, their list looks like it'll be stronger next season. And, and unless they just drop off and think they've achieved everything and, um, and just go, I couldn't see it happening but it but obviously and injuries as you said, Buck is the other thing. I mean yeah. you cannot afford to lose someone like Max Gorn, you couldn't afford to lose your Petrarca, your Clayton Olivers, but uh it's highly unlikely. So uh all being all well. Be-
2: yeah. Their style of football, attacking, you know, all yep, the time, yep, wasn't it? You know, yep. They were
0: on the back foot, and they like deep in, 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 in defence. They just come out, attack, 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 didn't they? Oh, for sure. And that was the thing. The only time they were held down, and and um, and those sides that um, sort of stopped that flow on game were those uh, those bottom sides where they they dropped them, and um, which was surprising. But when it counted on the day. And to come back with 19 points down, it's halfway through the third quarter to a very good side in Western Bulldogs. It was, it was, it's a grand final that I'll, uh, I will certainly uh, jot down in, in one of the best I've seen for a long time. And I would find it very difficult to see them dropping out of first to fourth. Um, and I would think that um, probably would see them uh, in at least a prelim and possibly playing off again grand final.
2: I would say that the Melbourne Football Club, this present side there is there now, is the best side I've ever seen in the AFL. Yeah,
0: and look, and the other thing, too, I I think we have to realise is off-field, they've got things sorted out now. They're a more stable uh, committee, and it's just flowed through. Um, People say, I know... Profit, too, helps, too, doesn't it? Sorry, the...
2: Big financial profit?
0: Yes, yeah. So From
1: winning a premiership, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, the amount of merchandise sales. They oh, had just, yeah. cheese boards.
0: <laughs> and they, um, and look, they have been criticised, and rightly so, for some of their decisions and uh, things that have happened at the club over the, over the years. But uh, they've certainly got everything right. And uh, it was just a matter of um, after that good preliminary final two, three years ago, and then missing the finals the following year, this year was the one. And, uh, yeah, they did it and did it well.
1: Yeah, no, good on them. And uh, those list of players that you've read out there—I mean, just so many star players who uh, play such an important role. It's not just a team of one person; no. it's uh, so many players doing the right thing at the right time. Which uh, we saw, for example, in the game against Geelong down here—the last home and away game—and then uh, in the finals. I mean, they just stood up, and yeah, I know. As soon as the grand final happened and Melbourne won the premiership, I think some people were already talking about them going back to back, which is amazing. You have a premiership drought as long as they had, mm. and the commentators makes, are already talking about, oh, and they're probably going go back to go back-to-back okay. next
0: year. It's, um, it's amazing. Yes, and, uh, and look, as we say, they'll love someone like the Bullies on their heels. And there'll be five or six players in that, in, at the Melbourne Club that played VFL and probably would walk into most other um, AFL sides. So, when you've got those half-dozen um, players Really, who work hard over the summer to try and force their way back into the side. That's a good. That's a great sign for a club when when you've got those numbers pushing from from down below. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them play next year. So we think uh, somewhere between one and four
1: they'll finish. Yes. Yeah. All right, moving along, um, Western United. How are we going with Western United and the...
2: Uh... Traveled all the way you know, down to Ramey Park, and we, we took on the on, on the Perth side, and we beat them 1-0. So that, that was that was really good. Yeah, That's the result they really wanted. They've got to get their seasons away. They can't afford to give up. They've been losing those early games. Yeah, you just got to win them. But it was a pretty good effort by the, you know, Western United, and, and that's what they are got to do now. They've got that taste of victory, and they've got to go on with
0: it. They do indeed, and just looking at the A-League ladder too, uh, Bucket and Mitchell, I see Melbourne victory, of course. First time since, or oh, a number of years since they've won their first uh, two games, uh, so they sit on top on six points. Melbourne City are sitting second on four, and uh, Western United are in the top six, uh, sitting sixth on on three points. I know it's only two games in, but very good to see the three... Uh, those three uh, sides in the in the top six yeah it is early. good isn't it yeah.
1: and i hear that the media over the weekend has been talking about tony popovic and you sort of you uh, started off last week mentioning his credentials and now i see the rest of the media's all jumped on board
0: but yeah he's as i said last week he's got a huge record first year at, at a club and uh yeah very uh, v- one of the better coaches that uh has uh, has, has been going around in the uh, in soccer
1: and uh, Bucket, you've been watching the Matildas over the weekend. Oh yes,
2: like uh, like it's just amazing this uh, you know, ladies lady side. Yeah, you know, they got beaten three 0 in front of thirty six thousand people. Yeah, you know? like uh, but but at the same time, you know the Matildas are playing against the the, the American side we've, had, we've only had one win from the last thirty two you know games. Yeah, you know, like against the US side, that's really disappointing for me. But they. They should know by now how they've got to do. It. The one thing they, they, you know, watching the game, they got the, you know, the Australian side, got the ball deep forward all the time, all the time, but they're just turned out by a dogged defence by the U- US side. You know? mm. Somehow, I think they've they, they, they got to just find forwards, you know. Like, forwards win games, don't they? De- defenders, you know, you know, basically can save a game, but uh, I, I think we've got to find a couple of forwards.
0: Yeah, hey, have got to get a couple of goals to win them, don't we?
2: Yeah, certainly got you know, a pretty pretty entertaining sort of a game, too. And the skill of these players, these ladies, by geez, it's improved so much. It's just out, outstanding the, the way it's gone.
0: Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it has improved. The
2: female football.
0: Yeah, yeah. We've seen it in the cricket as well. Um, the uh, women's cricket, I reckon, it's, uh, it's gone to another level, too. There's some uh, very, very good uh, cricket isn't in, in that. Uh, comp. So yeah, look at, anyway. We we'll just uh, just hope that they can uh, they can start uh, getting it through.
2: I see where the scorches in the in the ladies cricket too. The Scorchers were they were too good for the Adelaide strikers too. But boy, gee, well, once again, we, we you know, I think the Scorchers uh, were led by a uh, overseas player, wasn't it? You know, uh, yeah, they picked out a, a good one there to
0: bring in, in, into the club. They did indeed, yeah, for sure.
1: Um, I see that uh, there's obviously, and it's been very well publicised, a new um, Australian men's test captain in uh, uh, the cricket. So what do we think about that and the way that it's all played out and what's Pat Cummings going to be like?
2: Well, basically, I, I heard him the other day, he was interviewed and he didn't, he speak really well and come across to me like as if he's going to be a very, very good leader, he's going to include others, other members of the team to help him make, make the calls and things like that. Mm. The thing that worries me is you know, so many people uh, like, against Smith, like, uh, Peter, didn't he serve, serve his full sentence, you know, when he was uh, suspended that time?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, that it is certainly uh, starting to draw the attention of the media and a lot. A lot of criticism about being handed the uh, the vice captaincy. Hey, look, he, yeah, he's done his time. There's no doubt whatsoever. Um, and with his experience, yeah, uh, yeah. Look, I, I, I'm not overly um, concerned with it but uh, there are a lot of people out there that uh, think it's a bad decision not a good look for Australian cricket who at the moment aren't uh, <laughs> not looking at that, that flash we have having for the last few years we're well it's been a bit of a rough person.
1: time to be an Australian, Australian cricket cricketer. supporter yep. um, hasn't it to yep. follow on what's going on and yep. even to be a captain I suppose and to lose it um, with Steve Smith losing it in that fashion and then mm. you know Tim Payne losing it the way he has it's been a very rough time
0: yeah you know, it has indeed
2: I think it's been really rough, and I can't understand, you know, with, you know, with Smith coming in, into the side, would you, in, in my opinion, I think that's great. His experience, like, with, they, we all say you learn from experience, and by gee, like, he, he, he received the lesson, got his penalty, and, and basically fought his way back in now, and I think he's a worthy vice-captain.
0: Oh, yes, and look, I don't think any, that, that selection, as vice-captain, will make any difference whatsoever to the side. Those players will go out there, no Tim Payne, no matter what, they'll go out there they're all um, they're all playing for the uh, for the country and uh and, and they'll be giving it everything they've got and uh, wanting to keep their place in the side so it won't affect the, the team I, I couldn't think
1: i read an article that said under pat cumming's leadership the cricket team could become a bit more activist because apparently pat come i haven't read what he says oh, right. but apparently he's quite big into all the different causes whether it's climate change or other things oh, right. um, so i'd probably say to him i mean he's got his views but just be a little bit careful. I think it might be a good position for the captain just to get on competently and quietly and just... um focus on putting in a really good performance in the the tests and then go from there, because you've got to rebuild the confidence. I think if you start polarising people with activist views, it might be a a really tough time for the cricket team. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, I don't think that would work here. I
2: certainly agree uh, agree there. Now, there's another sport going around, and it's just making a real huge impact on it, like uh, in in Australia, and that's the men's basketball, uh, Peter.
0: Right give you some more information bucket on
2: much more information i sort of sort of locked on in the last uh, you know few hours and basically like basically you're like uh, you, you get australian australians in there are uh, demanding and getting big money by going overseas and playing in america but some of these players you know when they stay back here, here in australia they're, they are also making the big money too aren't they
0: yeah, look, I haven't taken a great deal of, uh, of notice of the basketball in, uh, in, in recent times, but uh, there's huge money, obviously, overseas. But oh, there's no doubt there's some big money because you know, some of the clubs over here in Australia, they, they, they bring over some uh, some highly paid imports as well. So yeah. there's definitely the money there. I heard an interview
1: with one of the Australian um, players. I, the name escapes me now, but they went over to the US and, went and was part of the whole process. And the amount of money they get paid, he was talking about how much they get paid even just per game. And uh, the basketball games, the amount of time they go for, it's nothing like an AFL match, you know, slogging it out for two hours. It's over fairly quickly. And they're playing fairly regularly and making hundreds of thousands of dollars per game. And that's just simply Mm -hmm. because over in the U.S. with their population and the TV rights and the advertising, uh, basketball makes an absolute fortune. But, you know, just playing for a couple of years, I mean, you've got to be, of course, on top of your game, but um, you can be set up for life. It's very
0: different to what our elite, for example, Australian rules... Footballers get paid. Yeah. yeah, well, that's why I think over there, college basketball is is enormous, and the crowds they get to that, and and they're on good money straight away. Whereas. As you say, Mitchell. Here, if he comes through like your Falcons and that, will you're not getting much money playing for the Falcons, but you've got to make that that top level. But uh, yeah,
1: but oh, I have to look. Me. But I reckon the the basketballers over in the US, the Australians that go over there, they probably get paid more per game than most of the Australian rules footballers. The elite ones get paid for the whole oh, year.
0: Excuse. Yeah, I think he'd be right there. Three hundred thousand dollars a game or
1: something. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about that bucket?
2: Yes, well, basically, that's sort of what attracted me to, you know, to sort of take a bit more notice of, of, of this sport, because not only not your only men are uh, setting up all right, but, but the girls are setting up all right too, in the, like in the basketball, aren't they?
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah, they're starting to, yeah, for sure.
1: So uh, times are changing. and Yeah, we've uh, interviewed some of the players that have come in from the U.S. I think we're doing a festival or something, an outside broadcast, and one of the super cats came over, um, a guy from uh, the U.S., and uh, I didn't really know much about it because I didn't go to the basketball. And There's only a finite number of things you can follow. But it was really fascinating to speak to him about what it was like being in the U.S. and suddenly you're on a plane to the other side of the world to play basketball and very different because over in the U.S., of course, the basketball draws a lot of attention and turns out where he could walk down the street here in Geelong and I would suspect probably big sections of the community wouldn't know who he was. No. Exactly
2: right. How long ago since Geelong had a side, a side like a, a, at the national
0: level? Uh, I was just thinking then, because um, I remember there was, a, there was a sort of a uh, connection with the uh, Britannia Hotel and uh, I think... The, uh, the late Rex Stewart was one of the, uh, the heads of the um, Supercats and that was in the early 80s. You remember Cal Bruton coming over and, and they bought a number of big uh, imports over and, and basically until they got um, settled they quite often used to have accommodation upstairs at the Britannia Hotel on Yarra Street so uh, through Rex Stewart being also a part owner of the hotel so uh, that, that was in the uh, that was 82, 83 I would think, or 80, yeah, around 82, 84 I'd recall that Um, Yeah, so it's been going on for some time, yeah. Do you think we could set up another national side, Geelong? Well, yeah, look, I mean, it was disappointing when it it all happened and and, uh, they uh, they, they went out of the league. So, yeah, I I think it's still a possibility. Um, But, yeah, we see clubs in basketball. It's a lot of money to run a club and uh, private ownership.
2: Um, Wasn't there some talk with the alterations down at the Geelong Football Club? Yes, the basketball side, the National Basketball side, could go in
0: there. That that was that was mentioned. Yeah, that they they'd move from the arena set up or even move down closer perhaps to Armstrong Creek and build a big complex down there.
1: It's a sort of million dollar question though, isn't it? How do you get people on board? Because again, people in Geelong, there's only a finite number of sports, unless you want to be sitting on the the couch watching sport from Friday till Sunday on all of the Mm. sports and some people do that, but a lot of people I would suggest only follow a couple of sports and uh, to try and follow more than that and there's so many sports now competing for our attention whether it's Western United the Geelong Football Club the Supercats the cricket Um, so you've got to decide what you you follow and I suppose that's what all the, the big bosses get paid like you know for example with the the NRL, how do they get that down into Victoria? How do they get soccer to be more widely followed? That's what the CEOs of the A-League and all that get paid big bucks for. Mm.
0: Um, but that is the question. How do you get people to embrace your particular sport? Yeah, well, that's right. And, uh, and for them to come back into the, into the main uh, comp, they would certainly need some big backers. And um, yeah. yeah, big backers, um, because that's a big money thing for the AFL, isn't
1: it, the corporate people? Yes. So I'd imagine with basketball they could do something similar even to have a big crowd behind them.
0: Yep. Um, that's a big thing. So, challenging. Yes, yeah. And, uh, look, it, it always has good, uh, good crowds following the local um, out here at the arena. But, uh, yeah. You'd lo- love to see it, but whether it comes yeah, to yeah, fruition... Yeah,
2: the Geelong West, where there's a lot of buildings, but new buildings have been put down
0: there, pavilions and so that sort of thing. Yeah, they, couldn't that be developed yeah, like at the national level? Well, yeah, well, I was, I was wondering. I, I'm, I'm led to believe that the uh, where the old sale yards uh, I don't think yeah. that'll reopen. That's a, a huge area there. I would have thought that they, they would do something like that or even put a second oval in um, to... Um, Help to um, sow the surface of the uh, of the west oval in Church Street. So, but I'm led to believe that half of that uh, land will be used for uh, for some type of housing.
1: Oh, I see. Mm. Well, it's a prime location mm. out there, I suppose, mm. in uh, North Geelong. I think it, uh, I don't yeah, know well, what the exact called, suburb boundary yeah, is, but
0: there. Yeah. And you've had that development where the golf course is with that nine hole golf. Yes, Geelong still exists, but all the building, all the um, um housing that's going up around there. So yeah,
1: yeah you can have a big oval. I don't know. Would they turn it into a bus basketball center uh, is the arena still fit for purpose i'm assuming well it i think is.
0: it would be yeah yeah i mean it probably needs a bit of an upgrade but um um but anyway yeah that's a story that they they on the track they're looking at building a new uh, complex for the for basketball. might become an election issue look we'll take well, yeah. a break
1: and uh, we'll come back and talk more after this Just about there for the day. Where's Jay? will be with you straight after the 11 o'clock news at 45 RPM. Um, Peter,
0: any updates in local football for us? Uh, just the one, and uh, I know it's in today's uh, Geelong Addy, but Ben Patrick, who uh, St Albans' uh, senior coach had been appointed for the next two years, has stepped aside. He's going across to Port Melbourne as a senior assistant in the VFL. And Alex Tatora. Um, he had just been appointed as a midfield coach at St. Albans. He will now step into the role of senior coach uh, on the recommendation to a Brendan McCartney to get into St. Albans. So some good news there for St. Albans because like, they lost three of their uh, top four best and fairest finishes uh, over the so far um, before the start of this next season. So um, Alex de played at uh, Northern Knights, called of Cannons years ago, 58 games in the VFL with Coburg, played multiple premierships at Greenvale, very, very well respected and uh, I think he'll do a good job at St Albans and uh, uh, look forward to seeing what happens there. Any
1: thoughts, Bucket,
0: on that at St Albans? Oh yes, I think
2: that's sort of things they had to do because they were getting bogged down, wasn't he? You know, the players—they've yeah, been unsettled and mm. re- wouldn't stay, and all that sort of thing. You—you know, you, got to be, be got to get them all bogged down and get on that one, uh, get the attitude right, and all those sort of things. Yeah, you know, there, there's plenty of to, you know, to be done in in, in like in senior senior country football. I, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, they won't—they uh, won't have success immediately, St. Orms, but, uh, so Norms, but as I say, a bit of stability, uh, hopefully. For the club, yeah,
1: good on them. Um, I thought we might just also touch on any highlights out of the AFL draft because I see the Geelong Football Club's put up a photo of their new draftees this morning on social media. Um, any particular ones that you're looking out for, Bucker?
2: Well, basically, uh, for, for first one I got to point the finger at. I just hope this young young boy who plays in the ruck turns out to be as good as what they tell me he is.
1: Is he from Geelong? I was. Uh, Remember, I was saying about how they uh, get criticized for talking about what school they come from. But oh, I think yes, maybe from it's... Geelong College because I saw that Geelong College was making a big deal about the fact that one of their students is off to play for Geelong.
2: Yes, well, basically any school would do that because in junior football, you know, like you take with Turner when he was in charge of the Falcons, he always used to tell you how many boys who went from the Falcons on and played senior AFL football.
0: Yes all about the record, isn't it? Oh, they, they, they have some, uh, yeah, they're very, uh, they've had some good names at, uh, at colleges and private schools in, in the um, coaching uh, set up there. But, so. yes, there's
1: plenty of good people that come out of public schools, schools as well. Too, right, there is. Um, no, fantastic. Any other highlights? So, yeah, definitely Geelong needs a good Ruckman, but anyone else?
2: Oh well, it'd be interesting. You know, you've got to slowly you know, make the replacements for the ageing players because those ageing players can all of a sudden can dip down in, in in just a few few games, can't they? And then be of no value to you. Yeah.
0: No. Well, I think Mitch, uh, the, the the three boys that Mitch Nevitt and Toby Conway, that uh, they look like they're ready made to, and uh, Cooper White was the other boy from the Falcons to go to um, to Geelong as well, wasn't he? Yeah. There's three of them, so. Exciting times ahead, maybe, we'll see. Uh,
1: But, yeah, you do need that rejuvenation. Well, uh, we're just about there for the day. we better move on to the final word, Bucket.
2: Yes, I I, I believe the money being paid out on sport is just growing at a very, very fast rate, I think.
1: Because, uh, yeah, it gets the money in, like with the... uh the basketball if it gets the money in the money gets paid out
0: um mm-hmm. and peter yeah well i wish i had it stuck with my golfing I, who <laughs> knows where I, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah not quite but um just on the uh with the final word yeah, and to all those young players that have been drafted look it's a once it's in a lifetime opportunity and just got to grab it with both hands and um yeah you know, just give it everything you've got because uh you've only got a, a 10 or 11 years so true. So true. It's very
1: finite. And then that's it. So make the most of it. Look, well, thanks very much to both of you. We'll be back again next week to do it all again. And we'll be talking about the North Melbourne Football Club next week. And in fact, we've only got two more of these segments left for the year.
0: The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11.